0: Because if I'm con- continuously sitting and in, in this good life, but I'm waiting for something to happen, I'm waiting for something devastating to blow my shit up. I'm not really in my life. And so, if we're constantly waiting for the ball to drop, the shoe to drop, the whatever to dro- the goodness to drop, are we really in our
1: life? Welcome to Human to Human, a Revolt Network podcast. Today's special guest is New York Times bestselling author, certified breathwork coach, and restorative writing teacher, Alex L. Alex and I got human to human about the difference between reciprocal and transactional relationships, honoring our boundaries, and allowing self-compassion to help us show up, even and especially when we need to show up flawed. Before each episode, I like to share a song to add to your playlist a book to check out and a reflection question inspired by the episode. So here we go. This week's song is Scars to Your Beautiful by Alessia Cara. This week's book is How We Heal by today's guest. And while you're listening, reflect on this question. Are you constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop? When good things are happening to you, are you worried that it won't last? I hope that this episode gives you space to work through that if that is the case and also home for healing. Now, let's get human to human with Alex L. I'm so, 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 so excited to have you on this episode, girl. You are, yeah, you, I mean, I sent you a voice note, I think a year and a half ago or two years, just to tell you what you're doing is working. You are doing something uh-huh. so important. <laughs> you are making space for, I mean, how, as you were making space for yourself, you were making space for so many of us at such a pivotal time. I know that probably wasn't an easy tasks to do an easy lift to do but you still stayed there and committed and i'm sure you left us a couple times and we didn't even notice because you left us with so much i'm like wow this girl is always that perfect like i hop on social and i just see her and she's there exactly when i need her and i just thought yeah you you did such a beautiful job of sharing your gift with us so i'm excited to have you on the show (laughs) thank you for those kind words i'm excited to be here truly Yeah. Yeah. I love to be in conversation with people as I am, you know, working through whatever I'm working through. And so what I'm currently not struggling with, but just kind of like, yeah, one of those things working through is relationships and how I'm starting to realize life is a lot more transactional than I thought it was going to be life itself, but Mm. then relationships, I'm looking for them to be reciprocal not transactional and i'm just doing my best to make sure i'm not bringing the energy that life and the hard things that life you know the 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 ups and downs that life just brings us the fact that like we have jobs and then we get money or we do this and then we get that or like it's Mm -hmm. it can be so much more transactional and then when you get in your interpersonal relationships you're like wait how do i make sure i don't bring the same energy here because out there i'm being told do this and you get this is that the same thing in my relationships and how can i switch that up and so I've been working through that personally, and obviously at the helm of all relationships is our relationship with ourselves. So I first wanted to start through some of the self-love conversations, and I'll pose this to you first. What is the last thing you forgave yourself for, for the first time? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a lot. Um,
0: I think the last thing I had to forgive myself for was... Like not thinking I was worthy enough when I was writing my last book. Um, How We heal took a lot out of me. It's a collection of work that I'm really, really proud of. And it really kicked my butt. And there were so many moments that I wanted to just quit, to give my advance back and literally be like, I cannot do this. I cannot write this book. I don't want to do this. And a big part of the self-forgiveness I had to lean into was like, why are you still doubting yourself after all these years, why do you still keep counting yourself out? Why do you still keep waiting for the ball to drop in your life? Mm. And it's just, it's just been something that I've been working through is like, I'm not waiting for the ball to drop anymore. Like forgive yourself for who you were when you were unsure of who you were. (laughs)
1: Mm. And,
0: lean into the possibility of who you can be. And it doesn't matter that I've been writing books for 11 years now. There's still these big moments of self-doubt and and uncertainty that I have to like coax myself through and then offer myself forgiveness for even having to coax myself through that yet again, you know?
1: Mm. Yes, I definitely understand. Did you, were you able to answer that question of why, why are you counting yourself out?
0: Yeah, I mean I always explore my why. I'm definitely someone who likes to know why. Um which there isn't always an answer for everything, but in this regard, um I think my why was really rooted in well my why that I was feeling doubtful is rooted in scarcity mindset. It's rooted in like how I was raised, how I was brought up, like we're kind of I was taught to like wait for the ball to drop, like it's good now, but just wait until it's not. Right. And so mm. I had to learn how to identify, okay, that's from childhood. You've worked through that in therapy. You're working through that now. Um, so that is why you're feeling that way. And what can we do today to deepen the why and to why you're doing this work,
1: Yeah, how yeah. you're doing
0: this work. And so it's just, yeah. you know, it's a practice. It's a process. It's a practice.
1: Yeah what do you think cuz i think as a creative first of all the fact that your work is so much about healing your actual work and your life work right now is about healing what does self compassion look like in the midst of deadlines in the midst of like the 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 kind of the the, the points of doing the work you do
0: self compassion for me is honoring my boundaries my own boundaries i think so many of us get caught up in outsiders honoring our boundaries that we forget that we also have to do that for ourselves. And so I love that you pointed Mm -hmm. out deadlines because of course I have those and I Mm -hmm. also have three kids and I have a husband and I have friends and I'm a daughter, like all these different things. It's like, how do we honor the boundaries that we set for ourselves so that the people around us can see the boundary and also honor it? If I tell Mm. myself I'm not, I'm logging off my email at six o'clock. I'm not sending an email at 6.01, even though like I could, but if I say my office hours are from X time to six o'clock, 6.01 is out of the question. Mm. And Mm. I know that may sound really rigid, but for someone who overextends when they don't have capacity, learning to stop when I say I'm going to stop is a boundary that I have to uphold because then I'll just be sitting there answering, 6.01 will turn into 10 o'clock you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but just as I'm talking through that, I'm like, it's the boundary honoring. Like that is where self-compassion is for me.
1: Yeah. No, I feel you. It's, it's, it's something. So I wrote this down when I was you know, preparing for our ch- conversation. I said, Alex always talks so beautifully about like, you know, leave a relationship if it's not nourishing you or honor your boundary. But I've been really struggling with, okay, fine. I've honored the boundary and now I'm living in the boundary and people are actually responding to me and it still hurts and it's still hard. When I mm-hmm. told my mom, hey, I can't show up to that thing. And she's like, oh, okay. I was like, oh my God, she's listening. I didn't like that, Alex. <laughs> I, I, I actually was way more uncomfortable than I thought, right? Because you worked to get to that point, and then you, I felt guilt, even though I'm sure she released me from that by literally saying, okay. But I didn't like, I, w- I was like, wait, what? We don't talk about this part about once we actually get into the boundaries. And once we are continuing to practice, like it's still another level of release. It's still another level of grief. How do you deal with that in so many, as a leader, if you're saying, Hey, I'm not sending that email at 601 and somebody needs something from you, maybe they you, like, you know, as a, as a wife, when somebody's like, But but I need this from you. And and it's not to say they're trying to disrespect you or take anything away from you. There is, you know what I mean? Like you're balancing the nuances of what is sacrifice, what is boundaries, what is compromise? How does that Mm -hmm. all work together?
0: I think it's asking those questions. What is sacrifice? What is boundaries? What is compromise? I mean, I can't check out from parenthood at 601. I got I have two children. There's no way I yeah. can't do that. But what I can do is, hey, mommy will play with you for 15 minutes, and then you and your sister need to go play so that I can cook dinner. Like it is, that's compromise, right? It's mm-hmm. okay. We're gonna go outside after mommy is done cooking. We're gonna go outside and play for 30 minutes, and we're gonna come inside and take a shower and a bath. And if we, if we're gonna do that, we have to like stay on task. Everybody who is five and under in this house i mean my 15 year old is she's she's easy but the little ones you know we have to keep them you know together and so i i really do think it depends on the situation but also we don't have to dishonor our boundaries for the sake of wanting to make other people comfortable and i think we all know what i'm talking about when i say that i'm not talking about our kids you know what i mean like i'm not talking about the relationships we need To nourish and nurture, but what I am talking about is, if your boss is saying, I, "I need this, I need this email by X o'clock," but they told you the deadline was Thursday, you have a couple of days, right? Mm. And so it's really looking at the situation and and taking inventory. Um, I, I like what you said about your mom, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, oh, like she's listening, she's honoring the boundary, and like that feels hard because normally it's a push and pull. maybe. I already have my
1: speech ready. Right.
0: (laughs) Right. I already, I already know what I'm going to say when you tell me, (laughs) but I want you to come to this thing. Right. And so I think there is beauty in the discomfort there. Cause it's like, Oh, all the work that you're doing and maybe the work y'all are doing in your relationship is starting to manifest and bloom. And I think that that's really beautiful. A big part of my work is also let things be good. Like Again, that goes back to, like, not waiting for the ball to drop. Like, let things just be good and easeful. Like, it's okay. It's okay.
1: You know? Mm. We really don't have a lot of practice in that. We really do not have a lot of practice in that. Where are there moments that that shows up that you have to remind yourself, let things be good in your life?
0: Mm. Like, even with the family that I've, I've built, the marriage that I have... It's like, oh, wow, this is a good life. Mm. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Something is going to happen that's going to devastate me and break my heart. And that living in that space of doubt and anxiety is so unhealthy. And it pulls us away from the present. Like We're not allowed to be in our relationships, in our abundance, if we are constantly second guessing. We're not allowing ourselves a space. And so for me, letting things be good looks like exactly that. Like, stop waiting for things to go wrong.
1: What if things are going right? Mm. Period. Yeah. What happens if something is, things are going right, but you might personally be feeling just a bit flawed at the moment, a bit down at the moment, right? And You've, I've heard you talk about this so beautifully and I was like, I'm about to, I'm about to pull that out and ask her <laughs> what's the details of that, right? Because you talk about showing up flawed and my dear, it is just, it's something I'm working through because I'm like, okay, cool. There are these five people I feel like I can show up and be really, you know, just in whatever the emotion I'm in. I also recognize I wasn't really good at holding space for negativity for other people until i understood Mm. that they weren't always trying to be negative they were just in a negative moment because i thought my job was no here's the brighter side right Mm -hmm. and like sometimes people don't really want the brighter side and that was really hard for me to understand because i'm like wait but then how do i show value to you i can't just let you be sad like that makes me sad right and then Mm. finding out later oh shit, you actually could have done that and now you might need that but i don't know what it looks like or yeah, because when, when we show up flawed, sometimes we don't know exactly what we need in that, right? And that is the vulnerability of showing up flawed. So really just asking you, what what is your definition of showing up flawed? Are there places that you feel like that's like, hey, pick your five people? Is it anywhere you can show up flawed? Is that an open-ended experience that we can all have?
0: What I would say to that is something that I've been teaching over the past couple of years, to my students and to my clients is like, we don't always need fixing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we just need witnessing. So to have someone bear witness to us, our flaws, our negative moments, our uncertainty, to be a mirror back to us in a kind and compassionate way, even if it's by not saying anything, even if it's by not fixing the the issue at hand, just witnessing the person and their feelings, that is so deeply sacred. And that builds such trust and compassion and empathy within our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because, you know, we, we often hear things like if it's negative, stay away, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, yeah, but also no, because if there's <laughs> someone in your life who's having a hard time and their energy may not be happy, go lucky and positive, like they deserve your love and attention if you have the capacity to offer it to them, right? Um, I think that's different from somebody who maybe we don't know who's just being nasty and 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 rude to us. And I would even say in that moment, what my mindfulness practice has taught me is that's not about me. Let me offer them empathy and compassion, even if that's not about me. And so mm-hmm. I think, I think it's really all about witnessing. And not personalizing.
1: Wow. I love that differentiation. I really heard that. I really heard that because I do think when we're in a space where somebody's experiencing negative emotion, we are like, how can I, or what did I, or all of those things. Wow. Mm -hmm. Versus just like, I'm witnessing that I I can create space for that. And I don't have to necessarily be a part of that.
0: That's the part. That's the part. We're not taught to depersonalize shit. Like no. Everything is not about us. And that's really what my practice, my healing practice, my mindfulness practice has taught me is like everything is not about us. And that's hard. Yeah. Especially when someone's treating you like they ain't got no sense. You're like, "Wait a second. Hold on.
1: Wait, <laughs> how does it end about me?" <laughs> like, "What?" <laughs> wow but but a lot
0: of times it's not a lot of times it is not and we have to let people be in their stuff without trying to clean it up all the time
1: oh wow 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 what skills can we learn in this moment of how to maybe you know let like like i said i i didn't have the highest skills I, i think i'm a lot better at it now but there was definitely a time i'm like i'm your brighter side friend and that's a lot of pressure and not even fully real all the time, right? But you really don't want people to, you, you don't know that there is a positive in someone experiencing their negative, that you don't know that you have to learn that later. And so as I'm learning that, what's a skill we can all add in terms of showing up for people positively while they're in their negative negative? and for ourselves and for ourselves. I
0: think that goes back to kind of the checking in with ourselves. Because if we're going to be the container, we have to have space, right? And so I think it's really important for us to take inventory of if we have space to hold someone's pain, someone's feelings of doubt or negativity. Like sometimes we don't have the space and what we can do Mm -hmm. in that moment is say, I love you deeply. I don't think I'm the best person to talk about this with. And then- I don't know, part ways, let it go, send them off with love and, and joy. And, but not in a way that's like, oh, things will get better. Cause sometimes shit just going to suck and it's not going to get better. And, but, but we'd also don't have to hold that, right? We don't have to hold the suckiness if we don't have any room in our container. And mm-hmm. so I, to go back to like, what tools can we use? I think it's honesty, self-honesty, Asking, like, do I have the capacity to listen to this conversation right now? Or, you know, this person telling me about how they feel about whatever issue is going on in their life? Do I have the loving, non-judgmental space? Because that's another thing, too. Like, we have to make sure we're not being a container of judgment for people. People need less judgment and more acceptance. And so... Mm. It's, it's the trust in self, it's the honesty, and it's the not feeling bad about if the answer is no, I don't have the capacity for that. And yeah. I, I love my friend group because they will text me and say, hey, girl, I'm going through something. Do you have space? And I'll say, oh, I don't have space right now, but can I call you in a couple of days? Or, right. yeah, call me. You know, But like it's that energetically aligned place where it's like, I'm safe with this person. If they have the space, they'll tell me if they don't, they won't. I I won't mm-hmm. be able to use them as my container. And I just think that right. that takes a lot of practice.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm going to pull out something you just said so beautifully about that self-trust and trusting the voice, because I think... One thing I love about being able to trust what we need as well, like I love it in theory and experience, it is Mm -hmm. what a work in progress, right? Like Mm -hmm. what a work Mm -hmm. in progress that that is. Something I've recognized in myself is I have, especially with the work I've done, I come up from a lot of entertainment and like, there's a lot of jobs. I'm like, "Mm, I don't really want to do that, but it'll get me here, but it'll Mm -hmm. teach me this but I'll grow here. Even in my like relationships, there's things that I want to do, but I want to show up. There's a lot of butts I've allowed for a lot of years in a lot of areas in my life. And I think that mm-hmm. has absolutely added to, can I hear myself and trust my voice? Because especially like I, I went through this phase, it was almost a. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're long of, I didn't really want to go to every event I was invited to, but I would always tell myself, the moment you don't want to go to an event, you should go. Push yourself. I thought it was my, like, pushing myself skill, and I had a high muscle in pushing mm-hmm. myself. And mm-hmm. then I didn't know the difference between, you really don't want to go versus, this is a moment that you should push yourself. How mm-hmm. did you develop the trust in your voice?
0: I think that goes back to that honesty piece saying yes to what I want to say yes to and no, what I don't want to say yes to. Like, I just, I think as black women in particular, we're taught to push ourselves in Mm -hmm. really unhealthy ways that it becomes, Oh, but this is my strong suit. This is my resilience showing. And it's like, you're tired or (laughs) you're not in the mood or, You don't want to do that, so you don't have to do that. There's no space for us to choose. And so what I would call us in to do is do more intentional choosing. Like we get one life. How long are we going to be in this place of survival mode and pushing through mode and resilience mode? What about easefulness? What about rest? What about being by ourselves? Like, mm-hmm. that is deeply restorative. I don't believe that we need to be pushing ourselves through every single thing. There are some things we're going to have to, right? Because life. But there's also some places where it's like, no, I'm not. And I think that that what's, is... What's the
1: difference there when you when we you say just, you know, because life, right? Like, is it the responsibilities of life? Is it when it I comes mean, to... I- yeah. No, go ahead. You know, yeah. what, I'm, you know what I'm
0: saying. <laughs> I, I know what you're about to say. Sorry to cut you off. I just like, okay. there's certain things like my mortgage has to be paid. Bills have to mm-hmm. be paid. Like, you know what I mean? Like I can't mm-hmm. really be like, I'm not, are we going to mm-hmm. be on the street? Are we mm-hmm. going to be hungry? Mm-hmm. Or our lights going to be off. Right. Mm-hmm. So like there, I, I think people, when they hear stuff like this, they're always, it's always kind of like, well, you know, I can't quit my job. I mean, no, you can't, but like, where can you make space for more, rest in your life, for more play, for more abundance, for more clarity. It's not always the drastic, like, oh, easy for you to say. You know what I mean? So sometimes mm. it's just like, okay, what can I do with what I have? Everybody's life is so different. And I think that goes back again to the honesty piece. Like, where do you need to soften in your life? No, we can't say no to our bills, but we can say no to going that to that event that we don't, want to go to, that's not gonna nurture our mental health.
1: Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, yes, yes. Even making space, like and not having it be so dramatic or drastic. I think that is so gorgeous. Cause we do get a lot of inundated advice about like choose yourself and cut these people off and don't do that. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold up. Can we get into the details of what it is to actually make these moves? Like these are not one day moves, and we just then the next day wake up like I cut everybody else. Now what? I mean, because literally it is going to be a now what? There's no practice in that. So how can we gently practice choosing ourselves? How can we one step at a time? It how can we really take, you know, intentional but also you know, small steps to really finding that life and creating that? So I I really love what you said about it not having to be so big. It can be small, and those things are big too. What do you think the difference between perfectionism? and discipline is?
0: Well, perfectionism will drive you crazy. (laughs) Like perfectionism will leave you raggedy, will leave you run down, will leave you thinking you're still not good enough even when you did your best. Discipline is staying committed and connected to the highest truth of yourself, in my mind, in my world. Mm -hmm. Perfectionism leaves us with more self-doubt than it does with self-trust. Discipline leaves us with more self-trust than it does self-doubt. And I think that when we are able to realize everything doesn't have to be black or white, it can be gray, and trying to figure out what it means to be in our gray area. Like, I don't have to be this super perfect person. I can just be mm. in the middle. And also, there's no such thing as perfection. I mean, that's just—it's just not true. So, if you're perfect out there, like call me because <laughs> I would love to know how you, how you did it. Um, right, right. I would much rather be a disciplined person than a perfect person. Disciplined mm-hmm. in my faith. Disciplined in my healing work in practice discipline in, in the love that I have for myself and others. Like I would much rather be disciplined in those areas in my life than perfect.
1: Mm, and is there a, a set of questions or a way you decipher between, oh, I'm I'm acting in perfectionism versus how I'm acting in discipline. I love that distinction between what it's what we're left with, but how do we move through it knowing, oh, okay, okay, this is my discipline and okay, I just didn't show up the same way I wanted to today, that's fine, or this is my perfectionism rearing its limiting head again.
0: I think checking in with our body, checking in with the easefulness, I think discipline brings us a sense of ease that perfectionism can't and will never. I think mm-hmm. discipline encourages us to be curious about ourself about our relationships um and perfectionism requires a certain performing for us to like perform you know our goodness even if we feel like shit you know and so mm. it's like checking in with your body where is this coming up why am I feeling this way is this the truth do I want to show up in this way? Where did I learn that perfectionism is what would get me loved? Like asking Mm. ourselves those questions. And we may not know the answer, but we have to get curious. There's a discipline part about the healing work. Get curious about what needs to stay in your emotional suitcase and what needs to be unpacked, what needs to be donated, what needs to be trashed.
1: That is gorgeous. What was the part of your healing journey that you needed them, you had to give yourself the most grace in. Like, what took the longest, or that you're still in? Mm, every part. <laughs> Literally, oh. choosing to
0: heal, choosing to heal is a forever love. It's a forever thing. I talk about this and how we heal. And it is something that doesn't get easier. Mm. I know that people may not want to hear that, but it doesn't, it gets softer but it doesn't get easier. So waking up every day and choosing my healing doesn't feel as hard as it did 10 years ago. It feels like a much softer place to land, but it doesn't feel like an easier one to land because that's a hard choice to get up and be like, wow, I am choosing this today. I am choosing myself today. Mm. It's so much easier to not choose ourselves. Yeah. The hard part is the self-choosing.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and that's taking me back to what I was saying about once we pick ourselves and and that boundary, the residue of what that is, The even if mm-hmm. you're not trying to be liked, you know, there is a connection of love that shows up when we are able to show for people or sacrifice for people or even for ourselves. And we see that that dwindles when people are like, like I literally had my first time using my Do Not Disturb on my phone ever was this past Sunday. was on Easter, my first time ever. I've always been too scared to use it. I'm like, wait, I'm gonna miss a call. What if my siblings, my parents, my friends, my like I have never used it. And I was like, what? So I I had a lot of like operational stuff I need to get done. I had just traveled in that weekend. I was like, I gotta get some stuff done. And I knew it was Easter weekend. I'm like, what a crazy weekend to decide to get operational stuff done. Cause like your people are gonna wanna, you know, spend time together. My Mm -hmm. aunt had called before I put it on. And she was like, I thought we were spending time together today. And I said, I'm so sorry. You know, I have some work to do. I just, I have to stay home. She goes, all right, love you. And my cousin in the background says, why did you say it like that? Trying to put guilt on her. And I said, you saw she did that? Okay, love you too. Hung up. I said, well, let's look at do not disturb. Let's try this. Cause not one <laughs> more family member is getting through today. Like, no, I'm <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not going to get through today. So it's just, it's, it's really, That trying to figure out how to allow our healing to be a priority in the midst of a very, like I said in the beginning, a transactional, large life. (laughs) Life is large. It has so many nuances and details. And it brings me to when it comes to relationships and, and you talk a lot about leaving a relationship that doesn't nourish you anymore. How do you decipher between the seasons of a relationship? Because in a relationship, there's going to be highs and lows. In a friendship, in a marriage, in in any type of partnership, in any type of interpersonal relationship, there's going to be highs and lows. How do you decipher between a hard season, a hard moment, or this is a hard relationship and it's not for me?
0: I think we know what a hard season looks like and what dysfunction looks like. A lot of us just don't want to look closer And I know that that may be, like, nuanced and challenging and tough to hear. And, like, so many of us know what dysfunction is. We know what it feels like. We know what it looks like. We know the ways in which we are participating in it. And we know the ways in which that we are are not or don't want to.
1: Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about?
0: beautiful. There can be hard seasons, easeful seasons, whatever have you. And relationships can also be deeply dysfunctional. And it's up to us to be honest about what it is we have on our plate. Because a lot of people will be like, oh, it's just a hard season, but but, but girl, you've been going through this for 10 years. It's not a hard season. It's time to go. (sighs) But again, again, as Black women in particular, we are told to thug it out, stick it out in bad friendships, in bad marriages, in bad partnerships, in bad relationships with ourself. We are told, oh, that's just how you are, or that's just how they are, or stick it out. Absolutely not. If you are ready to grow and heal and do your work and the people around you are not ready, take inventory of mm-hmm. what needs to stay and what needs to go, who needs to stay and who needs to go. Even if you need to look at you being the one that needs to go because you're not serving th- them. Or, the, or you're not in alignment with that with that relationship. I think a lot of people look at parting ways as like, oh, I'm leaving them. but sometimes you need to leave yourself. You need to be the one who's leaving because you are not good for that connection. And again, mm. that goes back to self-trust, honesty, and also remembering that we don't have to stay anywhere that leaves us feeling emotionally malnourished. That is so important to remember. Just because we've been with them for 10 years, we've been friends since we was three, that don't mean you just thug it out. If you've outgrown it, you've outgrown it. You will grieve. Yes, you will be sad. They will be sad. They might get mad. And where you're going may not be where they're headed. And I think that that's the honest, hard talks that we... Those are the honest and hard talks that we need to have with ourselves. Sheesh.
1: My bad, y'all. I had to ask her that one and now we know. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm still sitting with that because I think... I mean, the simplicity of your beginning of the answer was I think we know is just like, oh, dang. (laughs) But we don't
0: want to know. So we ignore. But ignoring it's not going to go away. You're going to turn around. It's going to be right there. So then even with
1: ourselves, how do we... Because, wow, like my, my reason for asking that was, again, trying to figure out how relationships can be reciprocal versus transactional. So I'll take I'll take that back, actually, as a, as a second point to that. Once we recognize that it's actually how do you define the difference between transactional and reciprocal first?
0: I don't know how I define that. I do know how it feels when people only call me because they want something. When people only call me because they need something, but they don't call me to ask how I'm doing. They don't call to check in that's transactional for me.
1: Mm.
0: When people only call me because I can benefit them, that's transactional for me. For me, reciprocity doesn't always look the same, but it feels grounding. It feels nurturing. It feels cared for. It feels, hey girl, I ain't want nothing. How have you been? How are the kids? It feels like, hey, I'm in your, I'm in your neck of the woods. You want to go grab tea? Not, I'm in your neck of the woods. Can you come out? Can I come over and you, you know, take pictures of me for Instagram? I don't know. I'm just making that up. But you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's like, it feels aligned. It feels Mm. safe. It feels supportive. And transactional relationships just don't. And I think that there's no deeper way to say it. Like we, again, tune into our bodies. No one is teaching us, ooh, check in. How does that feel? Does that feel good or does that feel crappy? Does that feel good and nourishing or does that feel anxiety ridden? And if it feels anxiety ridden, like why? Like why are you feeling anxious about this person calling your phone? Is because they always call you when they want something or to, or to fuss, fuss at you or fuss about their life? Like what is it? Mm. Only we have those answers, right? And so I know for me, I want my relationships to be grounding grounded and 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 rooted and nourishing i don't want relationships that leave me feel and em- that leave me feeling empty and um unsure of where i stand with the person
1: that is that it, wobbly definitely. ground yeah mm-mm. that's it that was really beautifully said it when you talked about earlier about like I'm in a good life and I'd love to highlight your relationship because you guys have been together for a long time. That's a lot of different versions of yourselves, a lot of different healings of yourselves. I'm in a space where I am really excited for love, really excited for a deep relationship. And I am I would say I'm, I would use the phrase working to attract that and because I'm mm-hmm. intentionally working on myself. One mm-hmm. thing I am a bit fearful of is my underlying perfection showing up. A lot of my 20s, I think I was afraid to get into a relationship because I was like, you need to be a certain way to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. For you, as you've seen so many versions of yourself, if we take this back to the beginning, what are some things you walked in thinking you had to have versus obviously now you've learned what you really need to have?
0: Ooh. So I've been with my husband for 10 years now.
1: Mm -hmm. We've
0: been married for seven years and- what I thought I needed? Well, that's actually a really good question because I didn't start doing my soul work until I was around 22, 21, 22. And then I met my husband when I was 23. So I, I really had to be by myself and get rid of the idea that love looked a certain way, mm-hmm. Um that it looked like perfection, that it looked like, never getting hurt that it looked like, uh, always communicating beautifully. Like love is none of those things. (laughs) Um, and so what I realized that I wanted and the more Ryan and I grow together, like he'll be 37 this year. I'll be 34 this year. Like we have grown up together. We're each other's first real relationship. We raising three kids. Like it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole Uh. family. Right And so what I have learned that I need in my marriage is laughter. Mm. is creativity, is support, is honesty, is kindness um, is open communication, not always right communication because sometimes we get it wrong, but it's open communication. it's effort. I didn't have that going into my into my 20s. I was just like, I just know that I want. I want my king to come and I want perfect love. And that just doesn't exist. Um, But what does exist is our deep rooted friendship, which makes our marriage that much more rich. Mm. So to anybody single out there who wants to be partnered to my younger self, to anyone listening who is, you know, young and ready Ready for love or old and ready for love. I don't know. Like yeah. friendship is so sacred. That's what I've learned. Like that's the most beautiful thing is the friendship. If you're not friends with somebody, the respect is hard to come by. The trust is hard to come by. The communication is hard to come by. Um, mm. That's what I would tell my younger self for sure. Like be friends first. And that's exactly what me and Ryan were.
1: That's really dope. That's so dope. I think we rush, we really rush past that. I I don't think, I don't know if it's the microwave age that we're in or the rhetoric that we're hearing that's just kind of, that does not highlight how important it is to be friends and does not give that space room. And, you know, a lot of people, I've actually heard this a lot. Like if he's trying to approach you this way he's not really into you, you know, emotionally, sexually that kind of thing, like if it's not, yeah. Or like she, you know, if she's doing friend zoning you then she's not really into you. That I've heard both of those things, so for you to really highlight the importance of friendship, I'm like, Oh wow, like we forgot about that, y'all. well, I think people be
0: playing too, like people think <laughs> it's a game, like I knew I wanted my husband when I saw him, I knew it, I knew mm. that I wanted him in my life, I knew that I wanted to be his friend, I knew that I wanted to be his woman his and not his woman in like I don't know, not his woman, like, oh, it was like this fairy tale, but like, oh, that's going to be no, like, that's I, my guy. Like, that's my yeah. guy, you know? And like, I think he would say, I know he would say the same thing because we have this conversation a lot because we have some single friends and we're always We're always in conversation with them. It's like, y'all stop playing these games. I'm not mm. going to text him. He going to text me first. If he really, if you like the person and they like you and they're kind to you, just what. Who told us that we couldn't text first, that we couldn't call first or like, I don't listen. I know <laughs> it may be easier said than done because, you know, life is be life out here and yeah. relationships can be wild and the apps are wild. Like we met before all the apps and stuff like that. So I don't really yeah. know. But I will say, like, stop playing these games because it's it's not fun for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're serious about love. And you're serious about yeah. the love you want.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I agree. And you're not thirsty what, for texting first. I'm sorry. I just have to-
1: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light.
0: Hey, you're not thirsty. I slid into my <laughs> husband's DMs on Twitter when Twitter used to be a place where you could like meet people. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. What's something that he's taught you the most about yourself and maybe you've taught him the most about himself. He's taught me that I'm very impatient and Mm.
0: through that to work on my patience because he is very Mm. patient and I am not. And so, uh, he is my teacher in that way to exercise Mm. more patience
1: I love that. What's something that you taught him? To talk,
0: to talk more instead of holding it. Mm Because we were the king and queen of like holding things, especially because we didn't want to rock the boat. But rocking the boat is so healthy. It's so good. It teaches us conflict resolution. It teaches us how to love through the, the storms. You know, it teaches us how to be respectful in our disagreements and also careful with each other's hearts, like it's so important it's so important to rock the freaking boat sometimes and um and so as a woman who's married to a non-confrontational man it's like getting him to talk and not making him feel like he's being confrontational because he's talking
1: that's really great that's so great how do you in general, because obviously this relationship we've been in for 10 years, but also going back to that, like life can be transactional. I think life also produces a lot of scars as we get older, as we move forward, as we've, as you, as a businesswoman, you've probably had like, let's just, I mean, everything from you've worked with different people, you've been in different things, different deals have come and gone. Like you talked about earlier about the shoe dropping and not not holding space for that, thinking like the shoe's gonna drop. But what do we do with the scars of the shoes that drop last? How do we Mm. not use them to move forward? How do we not use them to distract us from the present? Because that's something I even, I have been, I have believed in a version of happiness for so long. And to be really Mm. honest, I think I'm kind of ready to let it go. And it really scares me because I feel like now I'm, I got sucked into life is hard. I didn't want to believe it. I really was like, yes, I know it's hard, but like, it can still be all of these things. And sometimes like those scars really show up. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, what do we do with the scars? Do we, yes, we say we forgave them, but if we're in another situation and something feels similar to the other thing, do we use the other thing to help guide us? Do we say it's not going to be like that? How do we not allow the shoe dropping analogy to, you know, move us forward or protect us?
0: I think that in life, shoes are going to drop, but we can't be standing there waiting for it to drop like this. All right. Right. This good <laughs> this good thing is happening, and it's not going to be happening for forever. I think it's important for us to not count ourselves out of love and friendship and community just because we've been hurt in the past and I'm speaking from experience there because I've been hurt in the past I've been hurt by caretakers I've been hurt by exes i've been hurt i've been hurt by myself, you know it's like As I heal, I want to remind myself that everything isn't out to get me and everyone isn't out to hurt me. And when I realize that, it gives me a peace that I wouldn't otherwise have. Because Mm. if I'm continuously sitting and in this good life, but I'm waiting for something to happen, I'm waiting for something devastating to blow my shit up, I'm not really in my life. And so if we're constantly waiting for the ball to drop, the shoe to drop, the whatever to drop, the goodness to drop, are we really in our life? Are we really experiencing our lives? And I would have to Mm -hmm. say no, but I want everyone listening to this to ask themselves that question. Like, am I experiencing the goodness of my
1: life? Like truly, am I? Yeah, I'm a little emotional on that one. Cause it's just, it's something I'm really noticing that when scars start piling up, I've always been really good at kind of keeping the scar at bay, like recognizing it, reflecting, I'm obsessed with reflecting. So that part isn't the, I mean, it's a challenge, but it's like, okay, cool. But they're starting to, life is a lot more, it's a lot more weighted (laughs) than I Mm -hmm. think I expected. (laughs) And as we get older (laughs) and as we continue to, you know, grow in our nuance of adulthood, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a lot. That's interesting. (laughs) What do we do with all of this? Mm -hmm. That's really good Mm -hmm. of being able to live in our life. How do you separate between responsibility and rest? Especially Mm. as somebody who's breaking generational curses, first in your lineage lineage which you talk about a lot i think a lot of us as millennials if i if i'm you know whoever's listening um i'll speak to the millennial audience because just in my friend group i feel like that's a lot of the the truth there of they're the first ones and we are really trying to break those generational curses of opening ourselves up to healing and to open conversations and all of those things but how do you find space and decipher between responsibility and rest And I wouldn't say balance because I know you and I have very similar thoughts about balance. I'd love to hear that after, but (laughs) yeah, finding room for both.
0: (laughs) Well, I can't take care of my responsibilities if I'm not rested. You make it sound so easy,
1: Alex. I just feel like, wait. I know, but it's like,
0: it's not that complicated. Like we have to start looking at things for what they are. If I'm Mm -hmm. not rested, then I'm raggedy. And then my responsibilities are going to fall to the wayside. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not my best parent, I'm a mother. I'm not my best, um, author for my publisher. I'm not my best friend for my girls. Like, no, I'm not my best self. And so resting in a world that tells us that we need to be running all the time is an act of, as Trisha Hersey says, resistance. Like here's something, I'm just going to give this, break it down a little more because I know that that's, it sounds so much easier said than done, but it truly is, is. So last month, I had a month. I was tired. I was just going, 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 lots of travel, whatever. Paid our mortgage, paid all of our bills, except for our HOA bill, because I forgot. It wasn't in my planner. It wasn't in my phone. I was tired. I wasn't paying attention. It was a lot going on. So I got slapped with a late fee on our HOA bill for this month. And if I was, I'm honest with myself, I'm like, girl, you you were off your game. You forgot to do a lot of things. You forgot uh, groceries a l- lot of times, like things that the kids needed. You forgot to pay this HOA thing. Like, you are not your best self. You are not remembering because you are not rested. You haven't been getting enough vitamin D. You haven't been going outside like you usually do. You've been walking on your walking pad in the house. Like, girl, you are off your game. You are not emotionally well rested. Mm. And so, I decided that April was going to be the month of rest for me. I also know there's privilege that comes along with being self-employed and that I can do this, but also I feel like even if you're not self-employed and even if you work traditionally like pencil yourself in, pencil a five minute nap in if you can, or sitting quietly in if you can, like any extra something is so good for us. Any extra restful moment is so good for us. It helps our mind clear. I will say this month. I did not forget to pay our HOA fee <laughs> and HOA sucks. Okay. Homeowner association. If you're listening, yeah. all of y'all suck. No, I'm just kidding. I'm right, just kidding. Right. Um, Girl. <laughs>
1: um, no, all, like, jo- like, all jokes aside. Yeah. True. It's like, yeah, right. It's a
0: side eye get, though. It's still a side eye. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't getting, we ain't getting no snow in Maryland where I'm at. And we had to pay crazy amounts. Okay. Okay. Fine. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but truthfully, like, I have felt more rested. I've been going to bed a little earlier. I've been going outside more. It's nicer now. So I go on my walks outside again. It's just getting, it's coming, it's emerging. It's emerging Mm -hmm. out of hibernation. And Resting so that I can take care of my responsibilities without feeling frazzled, without without getting hit with late fees, without, you know, forgetting, damn, I got to go back to Wegmans because I forgot the juice pouches or whatever have you. Like it's mm-hmm. being present in my life. And that requires me to be rested, to take care of my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. It just does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for mm-hmm. everyone, anyone listening, like I have three children. I got a husband. I got friends. I've said this all before. I got work. And if I am not rested, I cannot show up responsibly in my life. And that is how I want to show up. And so yes, make that an effort
1: to show up rested. Y'all, I could talk to Alex all day. Wow. (laughs) I really, I enjoy, I enjoy you so much. I enjoy the way you show up for healing. I enjoy how you, you know, healed by example and are healing by example. I think that is just so, like you said, a beautiful act of resistance. It's a beautiful act of Self honoring, and it is, it's very radical. And I think we're all in this space where we're trying to figure out how do we implement it? Because healing, like you said, it is a A practice, and it's a discipline. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to add it in you daily. It's a daily thing. So do you have some daily healing practices that you take on? If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry
0: between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's.
1: And that you've implemented into your life that we can, you know, learn from.
0: I have been going on walks every single day for over 550 some days now. I have lost count. Um, whether it's outside or inside or by walking pad, I am going for my walk. I am moving my body. Um, mm-hmm. I paint. I um, listen to music. I fine way I bake with my girls and by myself I have a tea ritual and a coffee ritual like I just do these little micro moment getting back to basic things that really help ground me for the day mm. for the life mm. that I'm living because it can be so much e- it can be so much easier to just like forget about myself and show up as mom and and wife and author and teacher and all those things but like I'm also me. I'm also Alex. I'm also an individual outside of my roles to other people. And I deserve to take up space in my life. And so Mm -hmm. I am learning how to count myself in versus counting myself out.
1: Do you have a journal prompt you can leave us with? If we are exercising that as we speak of learning to count ourselves in, because that is a, like, if I, I just said this recently on a, on an episode about my perfectionism and where it shows up, If you have so much practice in that, the the practice of grace is just going to take time. It's just going to take a lot of time because you didn't have a lot of practice in it. So if we are in that space right now where we are trying to practice counting ourselves in and working through the ways that that shows up with us in our self-love journey, in our self-compassion journey, in our external relationships, our interpersonal relationships, our work life, what's a journal prompt you can leave us with to reflect, exercise that, maybe sit with it for a week or so. What's something that can nourish that part Mm. of our growing?
0: I think a journal prompt to lean into is where did I learn to count myself out? Is one. And two, how am I learning to count myself in? And what I would even suggest folks do instead of going straight to the page with those questions Ask them in a voice memo and then just talk yourself through it and then go back, listen to yourself, and then pull the nuggets of things that really resonate or, re- or you want to learn more about and put those on the page.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. I love a voice memo. I'm a voice memo queen. I have way too many <laughs> and a lot of my processing is through is through voice notes. So I really resonate with that. I think that's really what a beautiful question. Where did I learn? Immediately, I'm like, oof, how do we do that question without blame, the blame game? Is that. Is that, you know, how do we approach that question safely without it bringing up a lot of pain? Or should we just mm-hmm. allow it to bring up whatever it's going to bring up? Allow that's it. A, that's allow a question. It.
0: Mm-hmm. Allow it. And if you're in therapy, talk through it with your therapist. Yeah. I have a lot of clients and students who do that, who come, who come to retreat with me or who are in courses with me. When we have these hard questions they they're pretty straightforward but they're challenging don't answer it go take it to your therapist y'all
1: talk through it and then answer it i said this earlier and i was about to get let you go but i want to ask about your definition of balance because it's very similar to how i feel about the word balance i'm like mm. but i want you to tell it and then the word that you have replaced it with which is literally like top notch for me <laughs> um
0: I don't believe in balance because when I think of balance, I think of something on every limb of my body and me trying to be in the world. So think baby on hip, dinner on head, phone calls on the shoulders, like marriage on the toe. You know, like I just feel like (laughs) wobbly. I don't believe in balance, but I do believe in harmonizing my life and my time so i i use mm-hmm. harmony way more than balance i want to harmonize my life i want to be in harmony with my life um and so i just think that that it's more fitting it's more easeful um yeah it's more realistic it feels more accessible
1: so i came into relationship with the word harmony um uh, mid last year and it has just changed the way i see how we do this, right? Like I have absolutely, cause I didn't know, I didn't have a replacement for balance at the time. I thought I was being, I don't know if it's it's drastic as lazy or, but I was like, dang, you you don't care about balance. But what does that mean? Like, I didn't know why I was so adamant and resistant to the word balance. I was like, I just don't think Mm. that's it anymore because I was chasing it for so long. And I'm like, no, but I've been, I've been trying and I don't see it. So it can't just be me. Like, it might just not be real. (laughs) Like, let's Mm. see if that's a potential. (laughs) Let's see if that's a potential. So Harmony and I, Met and just fell in love last year, and I was like, okay, <laughs> let's figure out what this is like. Yeah, so I just thought that was so beautiful that that was something you also resonate with and and are using as a as a way to drive your you know your many parts of your life too. So I wanted to share that with people, mm-hmm. Alex L. Everyone, woo! Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation and for helping me personally work through some things. And I hope it echoed to our audience and you guys are able to hear and work through some of these things within your own, with yourselves and your communities and your relationships. So I just thank you so much for your continuous work and showing up and doing that as honestly and as beautifully and as compassionately as you can.
0: Thank you so much. This was such a
1: pleasure. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. For real, y'all, leave a review. That's really helpful. And while you're at it, share this with someone you love or just someone you like. As long as you share it, stay connected between episodes and follow us on Instagram at human to human with Stacey Ike. That's the number two, not the word two. You can also check me out at one take Stace. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and remember, curiosity is the pathway to consciousness. So let's take the next step together.